I've named this episode Remembering Sharon with Dr. George Akerman, who joins us today from Together for Sharon to help raise our awareness to Parkinson's. 60,000 Americans are diagnosed every year with Parkinson's, and of those 60,000 who are 65 years or older, over 65% of them die by Parkinson's. These numbers are according to the CDC, and this is a scary concept. What George would like to see better caregivers, better health care, and eventually a cure for Parkinson's. And it all starts with awareness. So we would love it if you would join us on this journey. And together, we can find hope in the desert. So I'm actually here with uh, with George from Together for Sharon, and this is so this is an exciting moment uh, for for me, Sal, and everybody here at the Wellspring. George, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your time, and I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to share my mother's story. You have such a powerful and moving story, and I, I just have to say this um, with everybody listening: I, I go to George's website probably about two or three times a week. And I mean, I, I, I'm in tears a lot of the time. And it might be because my aunt has Parkinson's, but you have a beautiful way of conveying your mother's story and you do her so much justice. I just want you to know that, George. Thank you. Appreciate it. And we try to not, you know, upset people with her story, but we do want the truth out there and never to have her memory forgotten. So I try to just be honest. And I kept the journal the last year of her life really more for myself to cope with the situation because at times even though i have a loving family it's no one really can understand you know when you're losing a loved one or any loved one and seeing their health deteriorate you know day by day and psychology and things might be nice but really doesn't work for everyone so you know that's why i I kept that and i try to share it even though it's only it's still been very fresh and new it only she only passed 1 1 2020 but it just feels like it's recurring over and over, you know, every day. And the only thing that helps me get through it is individuals like you and your viewers and listeners and knowing that there's still hope not only to find a cure, but to spread awareness and that, you know, never help or never allow my mother to be forgotten. What a good point. What a beautiful point. Um, You know, what I'd like to do, George, is I would like to know your story. What's your story? And just kind of give us a little bit about um, where you were at in your life when when you got this news of this debilitating sickness coming into your mom, if you don't mind sharing that with us. Sure. The problem with Parkinson's is a lot of individuals, at least I'll talk about myself from my experience, don't really understand what Parkinson's disease is. And that, not that I didn't care, but kind of put it off because for 15 years, my mother was diagnosed with uh, Parkinson's, but 
she really only lost the ability to use her left hand. Like she could use it, but it was stiff. So, and she was extremely strong and quiet about it. So we never really, uh, you know, we knew she had something. I just never worried or wondered because it didn't affect her, you know, ability to still go out to dinner and see the kid, grandkids and dance with me at my wedding. And, you know, it just wasn't something that was discussed. Unfortunately, four years ago, she started getting worse. And when I say worse is she just uh, couldn't really function like we would do in a daily basis, the average, you know, person without Parkinson's and she started her health started to decline and uh, she just was getting extremely upset and frustrated we went to 15 different doctors and no one really could do anything so they would give you know just drugs and say to do this or that but nothing really worked for us and she would you know when you have hope that's one thing but when you start you know getting told several medical professionals that there's nowhere to turn you're not really getting better i remember one specific instance a doctor said to me she's looking great and she went home and cried because obviously she wasn't doing well and it was the pain and the suffering that this disease causes so it's very frustrating but four years ago we went to or my father took her to the university of florida and uh, for a trial and unfortunately they just took away a lot of her medicine she came home the next day and ended up uh, I got a phone call about 2 a.m. one night and my father said to rush over to my mother's house he's in you know New York they're divorced but I found her moving her furniture out into the lawn of her home and she was all frantic and paranoid and said there were uh, Nazis in her home trying to harm her and that was where we knew that the medicine the dementia and the Parkinson's had taken over so I had to rush her, and it wasn't easy to even, you know, take her. She was uh, not violent, but, you know, did very unaware of the situation. So I took, rushed her to the emergency room, and then they said she would have passed away two more days later because she had a reaction, a bad one from, you know, the withdrawal of the medicines and just caused almost death situation, and that's how the medical system, unfortunately, you know, we were treated during this after that i actually went to her home to pick up some things while she was in the hospital and probably the saddest and most depressing day of my lifetime was when i was packing her bag and noticed like these i don't know if you have post-it notes these days the times are changing and people don't use the you know post-it notes the yellow ones but i found out around her room her bedroom and index cards were stating family members names and even my dog who passed away and stating on it and who is there and who is not there because she was having delusions and hallucinations. So imagine, you know, almost being trapped in your own body, seeing things and she, you know, even saw bad things and was scared. And, uh, you know, it was just, that was the most frightening and depressing night. And I swore after that four years ago, I would literally take over her whole entire life from bills to, care to support to everything I didn't have a choice so before that point she was on her own and living independently but after that night I had to you know take over as primary caregiver and you had to give a lot up to do that yes sir I had to I had work 24 uh, 7 which is my own individual problem <laughs> workaholic but <laughs> I, you know I have a long career I've been 
doing many important jobs and tasks to really try to help my community and had to put a lot of it on hold, including my own family, which they understood, but I felt alone and a lot of the, the physical part, nobody was really available to help me. Obviously, she has friends and family, but they couldn't do much because no one really, you know, could help. It's hard to tell someone when they ask you for help that, you know, we can't help because we're just not aware of how to help. And, you know, that that's actually says a lot about you. You, George, if I'm not mistaken, um, are a, an ex- extremely intelligent man. I, I say this to support that, that you actually have a Ph.D., am I right? Yes, sir, but I still feel I have a lot to learn from everyone I meet. And, you know, I have a lot of education. I have a law degree and, you know, a few master's degrees. And I actually, you know, have used these to help the community and not just for myself. I actually have a passion for learning from others. So a lot of uh, what I've done in my career has helped, you know, the community. But I think it's, uh, you know, it's hard to help in this area of Parkinson's, especially unfortunately coronavirus, but I do actively participate in virtual walks and virtual events. I'll be actually, I was really honored to be asked by the Parkinson's Foundation to give a few uh, seconds about my mother's story. They're going to air it in their entire national campaign for the moving day. I've also worked with the American Parkinson's Disease Association, also the uh, Unity Walk, and also the Michael J. Fox and Team Fox foundation. So, you know, when we talk about how I decided to start this, I'll tell you a little bit more, but we don't, we do not, or I do not make a single penny on anything. We do not accept donations. And it's not, you know, that we don't want to, it's just that I wanted to, it's, it's sad that in society, people don't believe it when you say you're just doing, this is not a charity. This is not a company. It's not a business. It's just a son who lost their mother. And really just doesn't want to ever let her be forgotten. Wow. Uh, Wow. What, you know, as an intelligent person like you are, um, and I say that because of what you've accomplished, that's how I support that. And I also say that because I've, uh, I've had the pleasure and the opportunity to speak with you. That said, as an intelligent person, even you still had trouble dealing with the Parkinson's, the dementia, with with somebody who's in this predicament. Am I right? Yes. uh, That's, again, the most important thing to discuss really is we need awareness for hope for a cure, but we need to educate, I guess, individuals more because unfortunately until it happened, you know, it hit hard to us. We really, uh, I wasn't aware much about the disease at all. But even when I became informed, there wasn't really much I could do, which is even more frustrating than not knowing. Can you, George, can you tell us Sharon's story? Yes, uh, I'd be honored to and appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Uh, My mother uh, lived in her whole life mainly in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Uh, She was born in a different part of New York, but always had a, also probably where I got a passion for education studied psychology at Brooklyn College. She was a very strong woman, hardworking, very positive, and really a mentor, and not just a mother, but also like my best friend. She, uh, you know, started off her life, didn't have much at all. I met my father, and he, uh, she actually decided to give up. She had a master's in psychology also. She gave up, uh, she was teaching, but she gave up her career 
to help allow my father to go to medical school and then she stayed home and helped uh, raise me and my brother so she gave up her whole life for her children and that's it you know says a lot about sacrifice she's always uh, somebody who was always there for me first person i would call to share my day or any good or bad issues in my life and she that's another thing that haunts me is every time that something you know happens today like uh, children are doing well or not or something in my career goes well or doesn't I still pick up the phone and about to dial her because she's still number one on my cell phone and then I it hits me in a reality that she's no longer here and that I can't you know share the day anymore with her we probably spoke 10 times a day and uh, we used to laugh just when I met my wife my mother and my wife became best friends also which is also great to have uh, everybody so uh, you know in love with one another and caring and uh, I actually used to take my mother kind of on dates <laughs> because I wanted to get her out when she was uh, you know because she after my parents got divorced we moved to South Florida or Florida and then she uh, was on her own again and uh, so we, I would take her out a lot and then when I met my wife I you know didn't ditch my mom but <laughs> spent more time with my wife and she was always joke about that. But then luckily, since they got along so well, we, we you know, all went on a date together. So it was, those were the days I'll remember the most where my wife and I were at the time, you know, we were dating. We took my mother to dinner and we would always include her in everything and anything that we could. Unfortunately, again, the last few years, she couldn't enjoy, you know, much. We couldn't, every time I wanted her to come out with my family, she couldn't because of health reasons. Uh, it's just uh, draining. And I always think back, like, she didn't just pass away. On 1-1-2020, she really lost a lot of her ability to live 15 years before because she couldn't, you know, join in on things. She couldn't go to events. She couldn't uh, do much because she was uh, always harmed or deterred by the disease. Mm-hmm. So her her and your, your wife your mother and your wife, they actually had a really beautiful relationship. Yeah, and it was very uh, great. I always hear the movie, I see on TV, like the comedy shows and all the stories of how families may not interact positively, but that was one aspect that, again, I was lucky to have. Everybody really got along incredibly. And another, I hate to bring up the sad news, but we were, when she was extremely sick, I sold her house immediately and moved her closer to live near us so I could take care of her. And then uh, we were planning in a month or two to move in, move, sell her home and move her in with us so she could be with my in my house. But it never ended up occurring. And I always say in life, you never want regrets. And that was the only regret I think I have in my entire life. So that's something that will just have to stay with me forever. I, uh, Wow. You know, I can only say whatever regret that you have and you deserve to have those, man. I'm not trying to take them away from you, but you really do so much in her honor and in her memory. Um, It's just so beautiful, you know. Uh, Wow. My my aunt is a psychologist as well, and uh, she actually runs a few practices and she's having the same issues. Her hands are are not working and uh, Parkinson's is beginning to set in. And so that's just a, uh, there's so many similarities that I hear. Um, I have to ask you. Uh, Sorry to hear that too. Yeah, I have to ask you how Sharon, and I want to say her name, Sharon. I want people to know her name. How is Sharon 
How was she with her grandchildren? Actually, the only thing in the last year of her life, because she had AIDS, like I had to hire full-time help in, uh, around the clock, which another story that was not easy because of the expenses, but she uh, only looked forward to Sunday morning because she would, well, she, before she got really sick, she would come over and blow bubbles with the grandkids on the Sunday morning, and that was her favorite thing. She would always, even no matter how sick she was, she would somehow pull out a bottle in her purse of bu- uh, bubbles <laughs> and then just uh, go away at, at it all the time. I have to, I've worked a lot in my life and missed out on a lot of uh, time with her towards the end, just because, uh, again, I may as well be honest, her in the as she got worse after that trip to the you know uf she then needed a full-time aid for a year or two she was able to have someone where they would come you know a little bit and then leave but the last three or four years three years maybe two years she couldn't function much so every time i thought something got bad it would just get worse so then she couldn't drive and that you know when you tell someone you can't drive anymore it's horrifying who's independent and strong and likes to be on their own. Then when you put an aide in there that needs to help them, you know, with the bathroom, it's very berating and not something that's easy to get used to. If you have lived your whole life, you know, not having somebody to help you take a shower and this and that. But as she got worse, we then had to hire uh, two shifts of aides 24-7, and it costs over $10,000, which the uh, Medicaid didn't help us with. So basically, that's not covering food and shelter. So you're talking about costs up to 16000 a month just to help, you know, my mother or one person. Obviously, I pay everything I have to do it, but, you know, normal individuals can't do that. So there needs to be more help, I think, for uh, individuals suffering with this, not just to be, you know, put in a home and left there. But obviously, everyone has, you know, different circumstances and situation, but... There's definitely not enough funding, in my opinion, for individuals going through this or, you know, care for the caretaker or caregiver. A lot of this I just had to unfortunately learn on my own. And uh, we went through literally 50 different aids because the people that are just in the industry are horrific. They're either, some were mean, some just weren't nice, some didn't know how to talk to my mother. My mother was like the sweetest, nicest person in the world. But when you have Parkinson's disease and dementia, it's hard to trust, you know, strangers. And they were, some of these companies switch people out, you know, all the time. So you have strangers walking around. I eventually had to put in video cameras because we, she would tell me how they were harming her. And I don't think they were, but we did see one uh, evidence of neglect because uh, she was calling during the night for help to go to the bathroom at one point because she couldn't walk and they weren't responding. Again, another, they're just uh, horror stories with, not the when you're older and you know retired and you're supposed to spend your time in the Bahamas. I always believe, you know, and uh, yeah. at a pool. And we actually got her her home, which is on a little teeny you know fake lake, and just so she could sit outside and just look at the water and the birds and the nice trees. But she never even got to enjoy it because she only survived a year after she had moved. And that last year was something that was out of a horror movie. Yeah, I, I can totally relate to that. I know that my father is uh, he's kind of is going through a stage where he doesn't trust anyone. There's almost a type of paranoia that that uh, sets in, you know, and it's it's tough because you're watching this wonderful, beautiful individual that 
you were so close with kind of come into a stage where um, they they're, they feel like the world is a threat to them almost. And, and I also have to say that I know some people that have been in, I'm not going to say any names, but I know some people that have been in the industry of senior care and admittedly been abusive. Right. And that's, that's a horrible, uh, that's a horrible thing. I, if, if we were to, if we go back and we say, yes, your mother, um, she did have the onset of dementia and she did come into a place where there was a lot of fear and, and there was a lot of frustration and anger, which fear will naturally bring about. What was your favorite thing? Cause if we take it back before that time, what was your favorite thing about your mother? I think just being supportive and uh, always, again, when I had something in my life going on, whether it was positive or negative or, you know, struggles in school, uh, one example is the PhD takes seven years and I actually wanted to quit, you know, a hundred times. And he always said, you know, uh, don't, she was there when I, and it's funny, I look back on pictures, she was on stage during all my graduations, whether it was master's level, outside training, she was on stage with my law degree. She was always, you know, right there next to me, always supporting me and uh, smiling. Never had a bad thing to ever say about anyone. It's very hard to find such positivity. We really needed it today in society, but in a way, I'm glad she didn't have to, you know, go through what's happened in the world, but she always tried to find the uh, positive and bring more positive. Well, you know what? She's still doing it because here you have um, an individual that uh, comes from a pretty poor neighborhood way on the West Coast in California talking to uh, somebody from Brooklyn um, on the East Coast. And we're just having a, a really beautiful conversation. And the stories that you share about your mother are so inspirational to me and probably um, hundreds, thousands of other people who have an opportunity to listen. And they, too, get an opportunity to be inspired by her because of your dedication. So I guess I have to ask, how would you say that your mother has influenced you the most? I think uh, she's told me to always be respectful and also professional and care about others, no matter, you know, their gender, race, culture, background, and always give everyone, you know, an opportunity. I always try to look at, you know, both sides and life of everybody's situation. And uh, sometimes it's always good to, uh, you know, look at both views of life or not just your own and be, you know, you always have to be open-minded. The other thing is uh, together for Sharon, which I'm sure will mention might be in memory of my mother but i feel it's also bigger it's for everyone i always joke and say it's together for all you know because uh i every time i hear like your struggle or someone else's it makes me a little sick also because i know what i've been through and what what is in the future i have a relative now that also is going through it and even now in the corona time 10 times worse because you can't even see your loved one or you can't even see a doctor. So I don't even imagine how bad it's gotten worse. So, uh, you know, that's kind of just a few of the things that I just, it's in my mem mother's memory name, but it's for everyone. And unfortunately we're talking on 9, 10, 2020, but 9, 28, 2020 is actually would have been her 70th birthday. So it's going to be a really a uh, rough day. And my only hope is, my only excitement in life is that her gravestone might be ready by then so we can kind of, uh, you know, 
let her finally rest in peace. Brother, I have to tell you something, and you, you might not believe me when I tell you this, but uh, that is my father and my nephew's birthday. Oh, well, yeah. see, we all tied together somehow, even though we don't know it. The difference is, you know, we take the time to learn about one another, and that's the most important key to, in my opinion, to world peace is people just coming together for common cause and you know working together it's the same thing with the awareness you know if people just uh, forgot and moved on then there would never be a cure but i feel that as long as we all i call band together being and because we created bands that i'd like to give you know to you and we send them around the united states for free just it says uh, i'm sure you might have seen a picture but it says parkinson's disease awareness then it also says in memory of Sharon Ackerman, but we just send them around uh, the United States just so people remember her. And also individuals who have Parkinson's and caregivers, if they wear it, they know that, you know, we're always out there thinking of them too. And, you know, folks, I have to say that George is really serious about this because if you go to togetherforsharon.com, and I've been to the togetherforsharon.com quite a few times, there is no place to buy these, to buy these bands. Uh, he is really giving yeah. these things away. He is not asking for money. He he only wants awareness. It is a phenomenal thing. Yeah, we actually, uh, when I started, I had a whole vision because I not I might have experience, but I've never had to deal with this. And so I always wanted to have maybe like a Sharon Riff Ackerman Foundation, but you'd be amazed that people think that you're not real action. Um, and I always will be honest with anyone who interviews me, but I actually had some stranger write to me on Facebook, one of our social media, and this was only a month after she passed. And he thought that my mother wasn't real, that I wasn't real, and that we were, you know, fake. So that kind of put me off. But in life, you might have one negative individual who you don't even know, and that millions of positive. So that's when we decided uh, not to use uh, any foundation because it's just, you know, very complicated. And I'd rather just do it all for a good cause and, you know, for free and things, which not, is not easy because, uh, you know, we, we actually had to say no to individuals out of the U.S. because of the cost. But, you know, we spend a few thousand a year just sending them out. And, you know, once the corona is gone, I'm looking forward to going live to events, maybe have a table and pass them out to everyone for free. But, you know, it's not easy to, unfortunately, in society to do things for others or for free. But we're trying, you know, I'm trying my best. When I say we, it's really just my family. You know, but I, it's always funny because, you know, you don't want any. I always want people to know it's really just me, <laughs> my family. It's not like we're, when I say we, but it's not like a giant national company or, you know. So unfortunately, these days with social media, it's very critical to use it. But unfortunately, you're always going to have, you know, individuals who are not there for goodwill. And it's really sad. So yeah. that's another, again, another uh, <laughs> A podcast for another <laughs> Well, you know, um, what I would like to say, speaking of we, that kind of moves me into a uh, a question about something that I saw on your website. And if you if you go to togetherforsharon.com, he's got these videos on there, which are just fantastic. They're, he constantly updates them, and they're really engaging videos. So I just want to suggest that everybody go there and check that out. It's, it's beautiful. If you got five minutes, just go watch a video. On one of those videos, you talk about... Leo, Romeo, 
and Jax. And I just want to kind of wanted to open the floor a little bit. Can you tell me about Leo, Romeo, and Jax and their relationship with Sharon? Sure. It's uh, funny you brought that up because that's another aspect of my mother and probably why we have you know pets, but she was an animal lover. But a funny story is one time when I was in law school, I had to had I couldn't take care of I had two cats, Leo and Romeo, and a dog, Jax. Uh, I was a single guy living in you know, law school, and I loved animals, and they were basically like my roommates. So I had to have someone watch them. So my mother volunteered to watch the cats, and I don't know what happened. He might have had an upset stomach, but it didn't end up good on my mother's rug, and she <laughs> she never let me forget that story. For even to the last day, she always used to laugh. She said she'd never help me again with any pets, but she loved animals. She had a dog, too, when she was younger, but animals... I always say through tough situations, always bring out some smiles. And that's all I tried to do is get, you know, her to smile her lifetime. And again, she went through tough times as well, being a single mother of two. And uh, even the work, you know, again, it's sad, but the last year of her life, I kept trying to figure out a way to get a dog for her so that she could smile because she really wanted one. But, you know, because of all the disease obviously she could barely take care of herself so she couldn't take care of uh you know an animal but if you go to togetherforsharon.com and i think if you scroll down if you go to the home button you scroll down you'll see uh, bella bella's a labradoodle we just uh, adopted her yeah she's there it's on the bottom but she's a labradoodle and we really i wish she could have met her because uh she would have brought so much you know joy and smiles and happiness to her life but you know, they actually have animal support through some of the organizations we tried for individuals with Parkinson's to try to cheer them up. They also have, you know, religious type pastors and rabbis to come. We even had music therapy, some music therapy, and I play guitar. So one a week before, and I put this video online, but a week before she passed away, she requested the individual from the guitar company and myself to play memory from the show cats and she actually uh, was at that time hard to speak anymore but when we finished playing she said she loved it so that was one memory that i'll never forget but you know so she did you know those were some of my animals when i was younger that uh you know were part of our family and she uh, really loved them and cared about them too and i think it says a lot about individuals who take the time and the love you know, to also care for animals when you're sick yourself. She was always self, you know, selfless, or the word is more, you know, caring about others and just give, she would put other people in more important over her own health. Wow. And she was very strong because she never wanted anyone to know that she was sick. And I look back at my wedding in a video and I see now that, you know, the loss of the use of the arm, but, you know, she just tried to hide it until it caught up and it was, too much. Mm, mm, mm. I, uh, you know, I, I have to ask because I, I know that uh, you don't dislike the entire medical industry. I know that you don't dislike doctors, but I would imagine when you go through a process like this, there's got to be a few frustrations that pop up. Uh, I know there are for me. There's definitely some frustration um, toward the medical industry for me. And what I'd like to know from you is what is your largest frustration with the medical industry in, in terms of uh, basically what I'm asking is if you could change one thing about it, what would it be? 
the problem is not I don't blame them because they're trying their best, but there's no cure. <laughs> That's really where it's going to keep coming down to. There's no real answer. It's kind of like you can go to 15 doctors. Every one of them will say something else. We even uh, tried the medical marijuana license, and I work in a field that, you know, a decade ago, you do not allow to do that. So now I'm in Florida. They allowed it. We even tried it. It didn't work because when you talk about doctors in Florida, it's fairly new to have medical marijuana. And when you're in an end-of-life situation, I'm for it. And we, if that could have helped ease her pain, I would have uh, really liked it. But the doctor wouldn't speak to the distillery and the distillery wouldn't speak to the doctor. And it almost felt like the whole legal uh, medical field where it's like the wild west, like nobody knew really, they all care. So all the doctors definitely care and they might be very educated and care, but they, there's no, you know, there's nothing they could do to really help in my opinion, except for change drugs and change things. But that's another issue because once you get those prescriptions and the drugs, you have to have someone who will give them out. If you don't follow them 100%, which no one really can unless you have them, you know, someone living there that's a doctor, then you have it's just like one thing after another and another. So I have no ill will to the doctors. Obviously, I support them and I work again to try to gain help and any donations sent we reject, but forward to the Michael J. Fox Foundation, the Parkinson's, you know, American Parkinson's Disease Association, and the uh, uh, Parkinson's Foundation because they have more, hello, you know, uh, you there? legal aspects and understand more of the research. But oh, George, I just you, you, you cut out just a sec- just for a second there. Yeah, I I, uh, I send individuals more to those big national organizations because they obviously know more of our research. And again, I think there's no ill will by the doctors; they're trying, but there's no cure. So the only thing that would have helped my mother would have been a cure. There's nothing else, unfortunately, that would have helped. What was the most difficult part of her decline for you personally? Uh, she was said she was in pain. So watching your loved one or anyone uh, health lose. So every day there was another thing. One day we thought she might have had a stroke. Another day she was losing very dangerous amounts of weight. Another day she couldn't, you know, use the bathroom so people have to move her and you know it's just some of these things are things that we come into the world seeing as babies and you know you don't want to go out the same type of way but with a disease and you have no choice it's just not fair uh you know again i always picture your retirement you take your 401k and you go somewhere nice and just relax and she never even had it was kind of stolen from her so that's kind of how you know I feel about that. Would would you say that um, that was a thing that surprised you the most? I mean, when you know when we think about Parkinson's, there's there's things that people who don't deal with it don't know. There's a side that you almost have to be a caretaker. You have to be involved in the process in order to know. And there's going to just be things that stand out more. So would you say that that was the, the part that surprised you the most, or was there something else that might, might have been more surprising to you with this process? The part that surprised me the most is that individuals stated, you, you know, again, you won't, they did, I think, state you won't pass away from Parkinson's. You just might pass away with it, which to me means she should have been here. You know, she was only 69. Her birthday will be in a few weeks. 
she would have been 70. I think now with technology, you can live till 90 or more and be healthy. So my brain thinking she was going to still be here another 10 years. And, you know, at least if she was sick, at least she, but that's where I think a, a, you know, I could be selfish because you can't, it's kind of a no win situation. Do you want your mother or any loved one here suffering or is it better that she passed on that she doesn't have to suffer? So that's something I struggle with, you know, every day of my life. You know, I want to say, um, George, that, that sounds like a struggle because I know that you still have her name. Uh, she's still first on your speed dial and your phone. And I know when my sister passed, it was really tough for me. There were times where I forgot she was gone and I would call her. So I, I just, I know that, that pain. And I, what I'd like to know from you right now, George, is, Tell us, you, you've, we've mentioned TogetherForSharon.com. We've, we've mentioned the organization Together For Sharon. And I also want to let people know that it is really on every platform of social media that I know about. So I would say Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, if I'm missing something. Yeah, maybe people have been asking for TikTok, but I'm not, probably not doing it because it's kind of, uh, what I've learned about TikTok is it's a lot of fun. So this topic, I do try to be a little positive and put the dog and things, but I don't know how much fun or dancing I can have because she's not here. So that's uh, the only reason we're not on TikTok. <laughs> is, it, is it a feeling of guilt? Is it a feeling of guilt to have to, you know, to dance and, and things of that nature when knowing that your mom is not around? Do you experience that sometimes or maybe shame? No, one thing I do have, uh, hopefully your viewers or even you, for we can keep in touch forever. But uh, some days I feel not burnt out, but, uh, you know, there's a, some kind of need to always somehow be active on social media so that I feel like if I forget a week, that people will forget her. So that's been a problem. And the second part is ideas. I like to be innovative and think of ideas. One huge idea that's been really incredible is if you notice, if you go to the website togetherforsharon.com, and you click on partnerships. When I was going through this, I had no one, like literally no one to speak to, didn't know who to speak to, or I've been able to somehow, I guess determination, join with over 20 different individuals and organizations and foundations, not in the US, but throughout the whole world, from Europe to England, to Canada, to Australia. And I wanted all their resources also to be in one place so that if somebody has Parkinson's or is a caretaker or a caregiver, that they can come to our website for free. Just kind of look at all the sources out there and it's right there for them. They don't have to write anything down. And maybe even if just one you know, thing, I even have a section we put for uh, uh, dementia also, but research then one for fitness and moving because fitness has been a great, that's supposed to be excellent for individuals with Parkinson's also music therapy and also charitable races. So my main goal of this was not just, again, to share my mother's memory, but to help everybody and to share resources. If more people would just work together again in any aspect of the world or life or situation, I think it would be a lot better because, you know, it's almost, not to bore your listeners, but not to get into law, but it's almost like a class action lawsuit where, you know, if you're on, or a union, anything, if you're one, you might have a voice, but if you're joined together with hundreds, your voice is going to shine and reach so many more people than it will just alone. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that none of that is boring. All of those things I think are, are extremely essential. I also want to point out on the note, I just kind of want to ride the note that you just uh, said, as far as the moving for Parkinson's. Um, one, another platform you can catch George on and his wonderful family is actually YouTube. And I watched this fantastic YouTube of them doing the moving for Parkinson's. Can, can you tell us, George, what you would like to see happen with Parkinson's? It would, would you just say that the main point with Parkinson's is a cure? And if we cannot get a cure, you were talking earlier about some changes in the medical industry, or at least in healthcare industry. Could you, could you speak about that a little bit? What changes would you like to see occur with Parkinson's? I would have loved to have had someone I could have called to get just ideas and, you know, just to listen and speak to. And uh, that's what I think this website, togetherforshan.com is. I'm always available for other people. The worst feeling is I can't, you know, help give someone a cure, but I've taken time on my own schedule to call individuals and try to give them what the resources that are out there. But uh, to me, it's really just the cure. And uh, there's nothing, unfortunately, else. Until I see a cure, I'm not going to rest, obviously. It's too late for me and my family, but I, it's never too late for others. And that's the only thing left that drives me is to remember my mother, but also to uh, prevent this from and to stop it from other individuals having to go through it. Yes, yeah, somebody somewhere is sitting right now hovering on the verge of Parkinson's and they are suffering because they don't know what to do and they don't know where to go. And you, George, have given an organization, you have given them a place that they can come and uh, get some direction and get some insight. You are actually filling the very void that was there, I mean, for you. And that's, that's, that's amazing. So many of us like to complain about things and we're problem oriented, but we don't actually come into solutions. And that is a good example for us all, especially me, to learn from. Um, I, have to, I have to ask you, what, what is it that each of us can do uh, to help right now. And I, and I want, I also want to know some top Parkinson's organizations that if we're going to donate to, what do you suggest we donate to? What do you suggest that we do? Walk us through that. To go to donations and fundraising. If you scroll down, there's three organizations. One is the American Parkinson's Disease Association. One is the Parkinson's Foundation. And one is Michael J. Fox, Team Fox. I've done videos on all of them, explaining them and I'm wearing their shirts. <laughs> but we always continue. We if, you, if any viewer or listener wants to donate, I always ask them to go directly there because it's literally a donate button and it goes to the organization. But in my mother's memory, if you just call them randomly, you can definitely donate. And I wouldn't tell you not to, but it will never be, you know, in my mother's memory. It just goes somewhere generally, which, again, is definitely commendable. But if you want to be on our team and band together with, you know, me and my mother, Sharon Riff Ackerman, and together for Sharon, you'd have to go through our website. And again, it's all designed to make it easy. That's another thing. It was, nothing is easy for some reason. It's just too much information. So what we did, or I did, I keep saying we, uh, I decided to just you know bring it all together on this website. And I wish they put their name, but I've been very lucky to find some incredible human beings, not just, you know, also like yourself who's taken the time to listen, but there are companies out there. Uh, let me see if I could find their name. I told them uh, Ultra Web Marketing, who I had a website and I did it all on my own. 
and it was just getting too big and too complicated. So I was lucky to meet a you know company who designed this beautiful website, and they don't charge me monthly because you know we don't. It's not a business, so they you know put in a ton of time to make what we have today uh, you know happen. So I always want to thank them. They, uh, but you know you have to you get. I got a little lucky. There's a lot of people out there. If you look under media and my website. Uh, together for sharing you'll see other individuals have been able to be on different podcasts one of them become almost like family her name is betsy wurzel and she does a talk radio passionate talk radio world discussing uh, also alzheimer's disease so you know it doesn't matter if you just have parkinson's i believe in working you know with other organizations who have other diseases because they all you know need attention but um, anyone who will take time to listen, that means uh, the world to me and my family. I actually heard that podcast interview with you and her, and that was an amazing interview. She just did a fantastic job. One of the things she pointed out in that interview, um, and I would suggest anybody to go listen to that interview. Um, one of the things she pointed out in that interview was how um, – this is how we keep our loved ones alive. This is how we remember them by fighting for awareness to, you know, whatever the illness was that deteriorated them. And so I thought that was a great thing to ride the back of because um, we don't, we don't appreciate Alzheimer's and we kind of touched, we kind of talked about this. We don't appreciate Alzheimer's and we don't appreciate uh, Parkinson's or any other form of dementia or central nervous disease sickness like Lou Gehrig's or something like that until it becomes personal, you know? And the thing is, is that um, something like this, a tragedy that occurred like this will really help to just merge ideas and people will come together. And we, I think if we put the right focus, if we put enough focus, we, we could be surprised. We will be surprised in what will come out of something like this. Um, there is a gap right now in the medical industry between the practice and the research. And I, I have to say, I understand the safety in that gap, but it is also unfortunate. There's times where You'll go to a doctor and speak to him or ask him or her about a, a specific thing that they are supposed to be a specialist in, and they actually don't know the answer. And then later you'll find out that the research to support that question was year, it came out years ago. And it's difficult as a specialist to keep up with all that research. But one of the things that I propose is that we do try and tighten that gap between the research and the, uh, and the practice. And this is something, what you're doing right now, this is something to help with that process. Uh, as far as, uh, I, I like to close out with these five final questions. Um, and the first one, George, is uh, what is the most important thing that you learned as a caregiver? It's mm, a tough question. The only thing I could say is never give up because it's frustrating. You feel alone. You almost, you know, I even had to speak to therapists to help me. You just have to always be positive for the your individual, like your loved one. You always have to keep hoping and you have to just be strong. Unfortunately, there's not much else. There is, you know, making sure my mother's never forgotten. So she's really still here, in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. What is the biggest change in you after encountering Parkinson's face-to-face? 
It's another good question. Change. I mean, it definitely the number one thing that you value life more because one day someone you love is there and the next they're not. So I tell everybody, if you read, you know, my posts when I do them, that they should grab, forget about arguing over nonsense or something minor and love your loved ones even more than you would of the next day. But I remember some arguments over where we're going to order food on Sundays. Like every like just things that I don't understand why, but they were actually, we would get into heated fat battles or where to eat on Sunday. <laughs> Instead of that minute arguing, we should have been kissing and hugging everyone. So that's what I think the biggest change is try, you know, to love one another more. Gratitude. Gratitude. What one thing would you love to see happen in this world in the next five years? And it could be outside of Parkinson's or it could be inside of Parkinson's, but what one thing would you love to see happen in this world within the next five years? Well, I'd like a cure for Parkinson's, but also the whole you know world to come together and again, cherish life. We only get one life. I don't understand you know, the crime and things like the violence, no matter who or where you are. It's not an answer to anything. If you, unfortunately, were coming up literally tomorrow, 9-11, it affected everyone. Even I'm from, you know, that area, but the people gave up their lives to help others. That sacrifice, and uh, it seems like we forgot that for some reason in society today. So we need to get back to caring about one another and everybody values their life and other individuals' lives and respects one another. And that's all you can ask. I cannot tell you how uh, thankful I am that you mentioned 9-11. <laughs> I'm so thankful that you mentioned that and how it brought people together and, and how we really should honor the uh, people that uh, suffered through and in that. Uh, that said, what are two things that you have experienced that you believe everyone needs to experience? I think uh, maybe volunteering for your community. Uh, giving back to individuals. If you have a good life or have found success, or if you didn't, it's always an amazing feeling to help others. So I've dedicated my life you know, to help others. That's the first. And then the next is continually learn. I might have a lot of education, but I still learn from everyone I meet. I have a student. I love hearing their experiences because I can learn a lot, you know, every day from individuals in different cities and different states. And it's one thing that's incredible about the world, you know, you can go now online and learn from others. But again, I think it's more important to listen and to speak because a lot of individuals seem to just speak and not listen. So that's the second one. I have to, I want to, I want to put on here that uh, I had a few minutes to speak to George before we started this interview. And, uh, he has a beautiful story. There are so many things that he doesn't say that he hasn't put on his website that he does for society, that he does for people, that he does for the community um, on, on so many different levels. And uh, at the same time, he's a wonderful family man. And uh, it's, 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 it's powerful how much we don't know about a person and the struggle that they go through that we never even hear about. That's powerful. Uh, my last question for you, George, because um, I know you have things to do, uh, very important things to do, is um, what is one thing that you know, but you often forget or you have trouble doing when it counts? I have an important one. It's just, again, to stop and 
breathe for a minute and enjoy what you have in front of you. I said before, unfortunately, I work a lot. I think it's definitely the amount of not normal, but I do it, you know, for my family and just like doing it. But there's a certain point, like I said, with my mother, I think back and I still would have to work because, you know, you have to work, but the amount I work, I missed out on some time that I should have been spending with my mother. I mean, even time I remember sitting with her, I thought in my head, I have to, you know, get back to work, but that's the problem I have is you have to be able to give some things up in society for to better your own family, I think, but it's hard to, that's my struggle that I struggle with every day is, you know, what's too much. And again, that's another podcast. <laughs> well, that's a great point. But I also wanted to mention the reason I don't mention more about me is because my whole focus on togetherforshan.com is for my mother, Sharon Riff Ackerman, and for all the other caretakers and individuals going through Parkinson's diseases. Nothing is about me, and it shouldn't be. I mean, the other things that, you know, I, we, we could get it too. So that's the thing that people just don't seem to understand or don't care. It's like you mentioned, till they get it, that I could be diagnosed in five years, in four days, or in 10 minutes with Parkinson's. So I need to, you know, be prepared if it happens. And that's true. Uh, that's my fear with dementia. I have the same fear. I think uh, I'm so glad that you kind of touched on the fact that everything that you do uh, together for Sharon is really for her. It's it's not for you. You're not trying to get credit or validation or anything like that. You're just doing it, which is what makes it so beautiful. And it, And to me, that might have been the greatest gift that Sharon could have given you is this gift of being humane, you know, this gift of being selfless. It's such a beautiful thing. Um, most people don't know. Uh, there, there's no way you would know because we only talked about this before this interview that right now George is going through a serious, uh, a serious situation. And he took time out of his schedule to come here and share this beautiful story with us, not only to fight for his uh, beautiful mother, but for every single person who is going through this, whether you are the, the victim of dementia or Parkinson's or any of these debilitating illnesses, or you are the loving uh, caretaker who's not getting paid and who just wants to help their family member. So for that, George, I have to thank you. Is there anything uh, that you'd like to say in closing? No, the main thing is I uh, want to thank you and your listeners as always. Without you all, I couldn't do it. And you're actually helping obviously spread you know the message of parkinson's awareness and dementia for uh, in memory of my mother sharon riff ackerman and uh, hope to meet other individuals and try my best to help anyone and everyone and i'm always out there's always a ear and uh, you know another voice out there fighting for you all and the ear to listen if you ever need someone to talk to i don't have the answers but i do have something that's powerful and that's you know being able to take the time to support and listen to others. And again, I just uh, wish we could find a cure so we wouldn't even have to have, you know, any of this, but I'll continue to fight till I can anymore. George, your love is healing the world. I want to reiterate to people, uh, go down to togetherforsharon.com and that's the hub for him. Join his Facebook, join his Instagram, uh, subscribe to his YouTube, 
just get involved. Uh, the closer that you get to Together for Sharon, the closer you get to George, uh, the more you'll learn about Parkinson's and your options if you do have it or if you do want to help, and uh, the more effective that we can be in this fight together for Sharon. Thank you, George. Anytime, and I appreciate your time. Thank you, everybody. All right, we'll talk soon. And then uh, we were planning in a month or two to move in, move, sell her home and move her in with us so she could be with my in my house, but it never ended up occurring. And I always say in life, you never want regrets. And that was the only regret I think I have in my entire life. So that's something that will just have to stay with me forever.